How are you doing today, church? Woohoo! Come on, Jesus. We're alive. We're filled with the spirit of joy and the spirit of the King Himself. Is anyone with me this morning? Okay. Don't make me preach by myself this morning. There's a team sport, ne? Amen. Just two, maybe three. Awesome. Come on, why don't we pray this morning before we get into the word? Father, we thank you for the joy of the Lord that is in this house this morning, that is in this house every single day. Lord, we thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And this morning, Father, we ask for your words to be spoken to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that your words are spirit and they are life. And they are life-changing when we hear it and when we receive it in our hearts. And so this morning, Lord, we open up our hearts to hear from you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as I step aside, Lord, you will step forward, you will lead, you will speak to your children today. We are all filled with expectation for your heart and for your guidance and for your leadership in our life. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Come on, church. God is good. God is good all the time. Amen. We are celebrating our third birthday today. For those who didn't know, who was here from the very first Sunday at the barn? <laughs> Johannes' hand is up. Johannita was here. Jock was here. Imke was there. Who else was here very first Sunday? Who was here with the first birthday? Yes. Second birthday. Yes, and obviously today. Amen. If you are watching on YouTube, but this morning, church, the word that the Lord has really put on my heart is to talk about a topic that I think many times we think, oh, it's just a nice thing to say when we want people to come to church, or we just say it because, I don't know, we heard it from someone else. But I believe that if we get a revelation of this thing, if we get a revelation and a deep sense of understanding in our hearts of what God thinks about His church, then it will change everything in terms of how we engage with the church, how we engage with one another, and how we relate to our Father in heaven. It is actually a deep, deep word. When I started studying this again, I thought to myself, maybe we must preach about this every single week. Because there are many people out there in the world, believers, that I believe have forsaken the church because of a lack of understanding of this topic. And this morning, I want to talk about the family of God. The family of God. And so, I want to make a statement this morning, and I want to share this with you, and I pray this would sink into our hearts this morning. It'll be up on the screen, and I want to share this. The church is not a place we go to or an event we attend. It is a spiritual family that we belong to. The church is not a place we go to. I'm going to go to church. I actually think I'm convicted. I'm changing my words. I'm not going to church. I am the church. There's no news. Snarks me. I am the church, you are the church. Every child of God is the church. And I pray that you'll track with me this morning, this is not actually that foundational. Well, it is, but it's much deeper than that. 
We are a spiritual family. God wants a spiritual family. The Father did not send Jesus to die for an organization. He did not send Jesus to die for employees or even volunteers to just serve him, to work for him. And even though one of the biggest revelations that we have is that God's called us to be an army, a Wehrmacht, Jesus did not die so he could just have soldiers. Jesus died so that the father can have sons and daughters. Because he wanted a family. He is the father and he wanted a family. Amen? And so we don't go to church. We go to a worship service. We are the church. The word family brings up obviously many different emotions for many different people. And so when we speak about family, I'm fully aware that not all of us grew up in a family where we felt loved, where we felt cherished, where we felt accepted, where we felt honored, where we felt protected. But the father sent his son to restore all of that. So that in the brokenness of humanity, in the brokenness that we've even seen in the church, the Father sent His Son to die so that we could, number one, be restored to the Father, so that we can receive everything that the Father originally intended for us to have. The Father's heart has always been love. The Father's heart has always been love. And this is not a foundational message. This is the message of Christianity. Is anyone in agreement with me this morning? This is the message that the whole world is supposed to hear. This is the message that the whole world and the church, the body of believers, are supposed to encounter. But we know we live in a fallen world. But it's important that we go back to God's original intention and to understand that this is what the Father had in mind. This is what the Father had in mind, and He wants to remind us this morning. You were born into a natural family, and who agrees you didn't have any choice? As your family Langshir said, when you know this massive Omeni. The family you were born into, you had no choice in the matter. Okay? But your spiritual family, yes, you can choose your local church, but your spiritual family is literally Every single brother and sister in Christ, every single person who calls Jesus Lord and Savior, is your brother, is your sister. Of you know of an of me. That is the truth. And I know not everyone is your damse gans. Nee? That's okay. That's not actually what matters. What matters is we all have one father. We all have one spiritual family. And it's time that the church, yes, I feel it in my gears, not to opstaan. We feel it for ogen. It's time that the church sets aside the nonsense that we sometimes keep ourselves busy with and we get back to the Father's business of loving, of getting people back into the place. Buddha, Jesus is your life. In Omad, Jesus is your life, it's your life. And we need to get back to the place where, Lord, teach me how to love like you love. Teach me if people make mistakes, if people mess up, if people do this or that, you are still the perfect father. Help me to love like you love. Because if I receive your grace, if I receive your mercy, I can give it to the family of God that you have placed me in. 
It all comes back to the love of the Father. And I believe just like in South Africa, and I know it's the same in Namibia, where in the natural we have a fatherless society. Most of the damage in families happens when the enemy takes out the father of the household. It's the same in the spirit. The enemy wants to convince us that your father in heaven does not care for you, does not love you, does not want to be with you, does not choose you, does not accept you. And that's the biggest thing that keeps believers into walking into the fullness of God and into the purposes that the Father has for them. Would you agree with me this morning? Amen. Okay, I'm just going to make three points this morning. Pray for me. Point number one, God created us for a love relationship. If you've got your Bible, why don't you turn to Ephesians 1 this morning, and you can keep a marker there because we are going to refer to it maybe more than once. Ephesians in the New Testament, Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5. Let's read it together. And I pray that as God's word is spoken this morning, that life drops into our hearts big time. This is huge. It says that even before he, this is God the Father, made the world, God loved us. Everyone say, God loves me. This is not Sunday school message. This is a truth that will change your entire life, my entire life. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And here we need to pay attention. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. Did you know that God's desire first and foremost when he created the universe was that he wanted a family? The father wanted a family. The father did not create the universe so he could create robots and minions and tell us what to do and have us respond to him like robots. Ya, ya, near, near, go, go. That's sometimes the, the, I mean, that was my perception when I grew up in a very traditional church and I had no concept or understanding. Everyone, you know, you learned in Sunday school, Jesus, hate my leave, Jesus loves me, this I know. But you know, you can sing the songs and not have a revelation in your heart about it. And if we understand that God wanted a family, he first of all created you and I to be family members, to be children. And right throughout Scripture, we see the Lord use this analogy of family to teach us that this is how He wants to relate to us. Yes, we talk about obedience, but you know what? Obedience is not a robot thing. Obedience comes from a place of, Lord, I love you so much, I just want to please you. Father, I love you so much, whatever you want to use me for, just use my life. Just, just, have your way in everything. It comes from a place of overflow of love. It doesn't come from a place of like, oh, I must know the Yeradin, I must know serve, I must know that. You must next. All that you must is understand that the Yerid you live. Even if your natural parents never told you that, even if you had the worst childhood imaginable, it doesn't change the fact that the Father chose you before the beginning of time. It is massive. 
It's massive. And even when I studied it, I know this. Johannes and I are the pastors. This thing dropped on a new level in my heart this week when I studied this. And I said, Johannes, this is where it's at. It's about the Father. Everything that we do here is to bring the Father glory. And it is to create a space where other people can learn that they are children. We're not here to recruit thousands of volunteers so we can have a nice service. We're here to worship the King and to prepare a place for other people to experience a taste of heaven and maybe a truth they've never heard in their life that the Father loves them. This is the perspective. Amen? Come on, it's so good. God loves us. The creator of the universe. Think about this for a moment. The creator of the universe wanted you. He wanted me. The first time I heard this, it actually changed my entire view of religion. Why do I use religion in On Hollingstekens? Because religion is what many believers struggle with. They go to church because it's something we have to do. They go to a worship service because it's something they have to do. It's something that's expected, which is cool. But then they try to please the Father through works because this truth is not settled. So I think if I maybe serve on three teams, the Father will love me more. Maybe if I read my Bible, you know, three hours a day, the Father will love me more. And we find ourselves in a place of works trying to earn what the Father has given freely. We, he wants us to just receive it. And this is probably sometimes one of the hardest things that we struggle with. We struggle to just receive. Is anyone relating or is it just me this morning? We struggle sometimes to just receive what God has given us freely. Jesus died so we could have relationship, not religion. And honestly, it's Johannes and I, our hearts cry. If we are only 20 people in this church for the next 10 years, it's not Jesus built his church. He's the one that builds it. We're just trying to be obedient with what he's put in our hands, trying to be faithful. I'm like, we're not here to try and build a mega church. If I can just one day tell Jesus, Lord, there were 10 people, there were 20 people, but Lord, they were faithful, fire burning, hot on fire for you, disciples. That's all I want to say to Jesus one day. Lord, they were on fire for you. Thank you for the privilege. That's it. That, that's all that we are here for. Amen? Jesus died so that we can be restored to the Father. Okay, and I know we all know this. When Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve, and he said to them, I bless you, go and rule and reign on the earth. I bless you. Okay, this is what I'm calling you to do, this and that. Then they decided they wanted to become like God. The enemy whispered a lie about the Father. They believed it. They acted on it. Okay, fellowship with the Father was broken. Jesus came, gave back our identity, authority, sonship restored. And this is the thing. It's all about being restored back to the Father. Okay, so that's why Jesus came, to restore us back to the Father. And that's why every believer needs this revelation. And we are preparing for Liberating Truths that starts next week. And I want to encourage you, if you've not done that, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 100 years, I want to encourage you, come and do it. Every time Johannes and I, we've done it so many times, our team leaders have done it so many times, every time I do it, the Lord 
not just a new thing in my heart. And I'm like, oh, yes, I feel that. And he shapes us and he molds us and he reminds us of this thing. He gets our hearts back in that place again where we understand he wants to be a father to us. Because everywhere in our life, somewhere, there's an area where maybe we don't understand the father's heart and desire for that area. That's why we struggle with frustration. That's why we struggle with stress. That's why we struggle with anxiety. Because if I know that my father will take care of me, I won't have that manifestation of stress, worry, and anxiety. It comes back to what truth am I believing or what lie am I believing? Whatever manifests in my life will come back to that thing, that seed. Is it a truth or is it a lie? And one of the first sessions, Johannes will take us through the Father heart of God. And we're going to speak about it. And one of the ways that we can understand how do we relate to the Father is understanding what type of father relationship have I had in my life. For me, my dad died from a heart attack. He was very healthy, played tennis. He was a sheep farmer. And he had a sudden death at 36 years old. I was six years old. And I felt abandoned. A spirit of abandonment came into my heart. And that's how I lived life. That's how I saw the father. I felt like he was distant. He was just nowhere. I mean, I believed in the father, but I didn't believe that he was with me. I didn't believe that he wanted to provide for me. I didn't believe that, I really didn't know what I believed because I felt like he was just nowhere because I had no concept of a good father. To me, it was just an empty hole, a space. And some of us have a, a revelation of the father of a taskmaster because we grew up in a very strict home. Maybe some of us uh, have a revelation of the father that um, he's mean and he's a judge. And I always feel guilty and condemned because I grew up in a house where nothing I did was ever good enough. And all of those are lies of the enemy to keep us in a place where we don't have a revelation of his goodness. Because when we stay in that place, we'll actually never fulfill what the Father wants for us. We'll never enjoy relationship if we don't have the right understanding of the Father. And so when you meet believers, and I know many of us know people that they are believers, they truly, really believe in the Lord, but they don't have a relationship. They believe, but they're not disciples yet. And when you ask someone, what is your understanding and definition of the Father? That's usually where it gets revealed. My definition of the Father will determine my relationship with Him. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18, you can write this down, it's not on the screen, says, I will be a father to you, you will be my sons and daughters. Number two, God's children are a spiritual family together. God's children are a spiritual family together. And let's go to Ephesians 2. You were just there in one. Now we're just going to go to the next chapter. And you can go to verse 19. Ephesians 2, 19. And who wrote Ephesians? The apostle Paul did. And he says this. He's explaining to the Gentile believers. You know, they were the Jewish people, God's people. And then after Jesus died, it opened up the way for every single person who would put their faith and trust in Jesus to become part of this family. And he was educating them. It's not just the Jews that's God's family. It's Gentiles. In other words, every other non-Jew as well. So he says to them, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. 
You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Listen to this, verse 21. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So Paul wrote this book of Ephesians and a few other books while he was in prison in Rome. And he wrote this to try and explain to people, as I said, you are, if you're a Gentile, you're no longer part of the commonwealth of Israel where it was only the Jews that were given privileges, that were given responsibilities, and that were given rights to be part of God's family, to be a part of God's blessings and God's privileges. All of the promises that God gave to the Jewish people it's now also yours. You are no longer a stranger. You are no longer an alien. Okay, when I moved from South Africa to Namibia, I felt like an alien, even though I thought it was going to be the same as South Africa. I'm a proud Afrikaans. But it is different. Who is a South African citizen in the room by birth? Maybe that's part of my natural family. Now we're spiritual family. But, you know, then I had to understand that I can become a citizen after 10 years, or I could get a domicile certificate, which I haven't renewed. Should I be renewing that? If anyone has wisdom, please share afterwards. Um, but I felt like a foreigner because my passport said I was a foreigner. But it's not like that in the kingdom. In the kingdom, it doesn't matter whether I worship in Antarctica or whether I worship in Timbuktu. I am, if I'm a believer of Jesus Christ, I am part of the family. No matter where you go, someone else who believes in Jesus is a part of the family. So track with me here. I am making a point. Okay? So Paul wrote this letter, and the aim was for many different churches to read this letter in Ephesus. There wasn't just one church in Ephesus. There were a few and he said to them, if you read all of these books that he wrote from prison, many scholars say, if you follow the track of his writing, you could see that God was unpacking and opening up this revelation of what he wanted the church to be. Because if you can now imagine, for centuries, it was only the Jews that were seen as God's people. Now, Paul had to break some strongholds and teach these people, you are part of the family. You are adopted into his family. Stop acting like a stranger. Stop acting like someone outside when you are already on the inside. I mean, stop disqualifying yourself from God's family, maybe because you're just struggling with something. You know, if you've struggled with something in your home, your parents would work through it with you. I mean, I know that's not everyone's reality, but the, the same is true with the father's house. You're not disqualified when you make a mistake. Yes, there are consequences for decisions. Yes, the Lord, you know, sometimes we repent and, you know, God heals and he restores. But nothing you can do can change God's love for you. And nothing you can do can remove you from the family unless you completely decide you deny Jesus and you go off on your own and go and worship the Satan. <laughs> nothing else can disqualify you. Amen? I couldn't remember his name in English. Satan. Okay, hallelujah. Okay, so God says there are no second-class citizens or people without identity in his kingdom. I remember when I got married to Johannes Kutsia, I received, even before that, I think we were engaged already, and uh, when he's my, 
uh, father-in-law was still alive, uh, we would go and visit them here in Vintic. We'd come from Cape Town, we'd go for a holiday. And I remember the first time, and actually every time I came to visit them, there would be a little card with flowers and chocolates, my favorite chocolate. He found out before what was my favorite chocolate. And in the spare room that I would stay, everything would be packed there. And you know, he always wrote these words in the card. And he said, welcome to the Kutsia family. In Afrikaans, he said, welcome to the Kutsias. Here is now your house. Oh, anyway. And you know what? I said to Johannes, like, that was such a huge thing for me because the father of the house said, this is now your house. You're getting married into this family, and that means you are now family. You are not the Fisaghi from Cape Town. You are now a Kutsia in Windhoek. And it was like my wife heart needed to hear that. And the same is true. Maybe if, you know, I heard the story of a pastor who is explaining this idea of adoption, being adopted into God's family. And he shared the story about a family in their church who adopted a young girl from a local village out of the city. And they lived in the city, worlds completely apart from one another. And she was already like 12 or 13 years old. And obviously, life in their home was very different to life in the village. And she came from a place where all of her family were killed and, you know, they were basically orphans. And in the beginning, when she was adopted into this family, they really cared for her. They did everything they knew how to do to make her integrate and to make her feel welcome and loved and accepted. And, but she was so used to the world that she came from. Like they would sometimes at night after they would have dinner, they would wash up the dishes and, you know, clear out. And everyone would go to their rooms and maybe have some quiet time before they go to bed. And, and they would notice every night that she would take food from the table and hide it in her room. And eventually when they spoke to her to understand why she does it, they realized that she was scared tomorrow there was not gonna be any food because that was her reality in her previous family, in her previous world that she lived in. Or sometimes, uh, like they also said, they bought her a beautiful new dress to go to school in and, you know, and for a while, they didn't see, for a few weeks, they didn't see this dress. And they thought, okay, well, where is this dress? And when they asked her, she had hid it under the mattress because she was scared that someone would steal her new dress. And it was such a powerful reminder and illustration for me to think through that is exactly what happens to us when God adopts us into his spiritual family. If you and I grew up in the world, I only got saved in my mid-20s. Grew up in a Christian home went to church, went to Sunday school, but I was never born again. I was never born again in the Spirit, never baptized by the Holy Spirit, never water baptized, never had a relationship with the Lord, only knew what I had to do. I had to pray, I had to go to church, and I, I didn't do any of that in any case. And if you think about it, the world that you were part of before you got saved was a different world. It was not the kingdom of the light. It was not the kingdom of Jesus. And there's a scripture that says when we get saved, we get adopted into God's family. The Bible uses the word adoption. And it also uses the word transferred. There's a scripture that says he transferred us out from the kingdom of darkness and into this new family, this kingdom of light. And you know, just like that adopted little girl, that's sometimes how we can operate in the in the kingdom, we come in, but we still have the mindset of the world that I was raised in, the world before I was saved, 
the kingdom of darkness that I was operating in. And now I come into the spiritual family of God, and now I need to learn this family's way of operating. If I was used to a place in the world where I was always guilty and condemned and, you know, my father didn't like me, my teacher didn't like me, my mother hated me, now I come into God's family and now I need to learn, first and foremost, what my real father in heaven is like. I must learn what is the church actually. How am I supposed to engage with the church? Is it a safe place for me? What is it supposed to look like? Does that make sense this morning? And I think sometimes as believers, we can come in to the kingdom of light thinking it still has to operate like how we are used to operating in the kingdom of darkness. In fact, I'm going to say a crazy thing, but you know, Jesus in John 8 had a conversation with the Pharisees and they were like, they were arguing with him about the heart of the father. And Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. My father gave me authority to be here. And they said, he is our father too. And Jesus said, no, he is not. He said, God the Father is not your father. If he was, you would love me and you would love my church. You would love my children. Your father is the devil, the father of lies. And he shocked all the Pharisees and he shocked all the religious people of the day. But what was his point? His point was, the father is in this kingdom. He wants to bring you out of that kingdom. But you need to learn first who your new father is because he's not the father of the world. Amen? We are being adopted. We're still on the point of God's family. And what is the truth about God's family? Amen? Are you following with me this morning? It takes time to learn how to function and be part of a new family. In this new family, we have different values. We give to receive. The upside-down kingdom. There's new values. There's new ways that we work. It's not the same as in the world. I want to read you this scripture. We all know this one. Acts 2, verse 42 to 43. It says this. This is our example. This is the early church. And this is the example that the Bible gives us. And they, this is speaking about the first believers after baptism of the Holy Spirit. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's another word for teaching. Like you are now listening to the teaching. And fellowship. That word fellowship is koinonia. We're going to talk about what is koinonia, what is fellowship of the church family. In the breaking of bread, which refers to communion, we're going to receive communion today, and in prayers. Verse 43, and then fear came upon every soul. That fear is not a scaredness. It is the fear of the Lord that Johannes spoke about last week. The spirit of awe and wonder and wow, he is the father. When that spirit of the fear of the Lord came upon him, then mighty signs, miracles, and wonders were done by the apostles. Do you see how important it is to have a correct understanding and a correct spirit of the fear of the Lord to see the manifestation of his kingdom unfold? God will honor his character. God will honor who he is. If the father is my chumi and whatever, and church is just whatever, I'm not going to see the manifestation of his kingdom like the way he wants us to experience it. Verse 46, so they continued daily in one accord in the temple. That's what we're doing now. In one accord means in unity. We come together to worship him. We come together to encourage one another to grow in the teaching together. 
corporate worship gathering, and breaking bread from house to house. Does that sound like a small group? And they ate their food. I think that's also code for broi. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's a powerful scripture. And I know sometimes we look at the early church and we think, oh, what a high bar. You know what? It's not. It is actually not. All the Father wants from us is to just live and act like a family. That's all that he wants. He wants us to love him and he wants us to love one another. Jesus said this, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, spirit, everything that you have, and love one another. It sounds so simple, ne? <laughs> but it is. Koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship, what does that mean? Koinonia, I think we spoke about it last year. Maybe we speak about it two or three times a year. It actually means to share our lives with one another. It means to be in close association with one another. It means to be united of one mind, of one heart, one spirit. It means a brotherhood through the Holy Spirit. And it also means that when we say spiritual family, it means, number one, we all share in God's blessings. We all share in the blessing of even a church family, a church gathering, a local expression like this. But it also means we share the responsibility. It's not just five people there at church to serve me. We all serve one another. I'm not just talking about serving on a Sunday. I'm talking about serving as a lifestyle. It means I am part of it. It doesn't mean that I just come once a month if I'm a member and I've bought into this vision and I just expect like a consumer thing. And I know that this is now touching on, on the realness of church. Like I had this mentality when I first started going to church until I learned the concept of the father and family. What is God's heart of spiritual family? His heart is for all of us to dig in. If this is my house, if someone comes to your house, you welcome them, whether you are welcome committee today or not. We say to our team all the time, it doesn't matter if you're on sound or if you're in kids' church, everyone is welcome team. Everyone is host team. Because this is our house. If you remember, this is your house. You belong here. Okay? So when a guest comes in, and I'm talking not just guests here today, a guest into the kingdom, we are the first expression of the Father that they will encounter. And the Father wants to use us as that love expression to say, you are welcome. You just come to the Father. You just experience His love and everything else will follow. Am I preaching the truth or is it heresy for ochend? Come on. Church family, it captures the depth of life that people share, that phrase, church life, church family, captures the depth of life that people share when they attend the same church. There is a power in church family. If anyone has ever been alone in life, you're a believer, you're part of the spiritual family, but you're not part of a local church. 
I'm telling you now, I was there. It is a dangerous place. And I know I'm preaching to the converted this morning, but maybe someone's watching on YouTube and maybe you're going to have a conversation this week where someone's going to challenge you, why do you go to church? Why do I need to be part of a local church? Dan is Jesus, kom ek vertel vir jou, die kracht van kerkfamilie. How does it work when you braai? Why am I on the topic of braai this morning? Esie gaan braai, that's why I'm thinking about braai. Okay, by jou eyes, nooit uit. Shop, shop. And so... When, when you've got a fire going, nee, and there's a coal on the side, it will not stay on fire. When you think of the animal kingdom, if you're a, if you're a lone ranger and you're somewhere alone and there is roofdiere coming, they're not going to go for the pack, they're going to go for the one that's alone. And this is the spiritual battle that we are in. There is safety in the trooper. There is safety in the church family. And this is always like, I just... I just want to take some people sometimes and hug you and tell them, die Heere wil jou in die kerkfamilie, for your veiligheid, for your blessing, for your protection. This is not a place where we want to slut you. This is a place where God wants to love you. He wants to grow you. He wants to mature us so that we can go and be the Father's heart on the outside. That is really what church is. And when we understand this, we will engage with church differently. I had all like myself. Okay, but it's a good point, right? Okay. Borak jylle. Okay. But that means I like my Zubiki. Okay. But what I want to say is, point number three, God's want, God wants his church to live like a family. He wants his church to live like a family. And, you know, when we were in Cape Town, uh, I remember my first church where I really started to understand. I was there planted for 10 years in this one church. And I came from the world. I was in my 20s. I was filled with fear. I've shared my testimony many times. And it was a place where for the first time I received spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers and brothers and sisters who showed me through their action, through their lives, through not teaching, not preaching, not on the platform, but after church, in the evenings, midweek, weekends, Saturday nights, whenever, that showed me what the kingdom is supposed to look like. And I know that's not even everyone's experience. Some people have gotten very, very hurt in the church, and I am so, so sorry if that has been your experience, because that is not the Father's heart. But we understand that people are not perfect, and the church is definitely, most definitely not perfect. But we're talking about God's spiritual family and His heart. And I remember I had a spiritual father and mother, uh, Paul and Linda. They were incredible people. They have been in ministry for 30 years. And I somehow ended up in their serving team on a Sunday. I was part of the New Christians team. I had to pray for new believers after every service and give them a bookie with the New Testament. And they were my first leaders. And they took me under their wing. And I remember I was still having some panic attacks because there were still some thoughts, still some I guess, strongholds that I needed to renew my mind with in the Word. And I will never forget this. Paul took me aside one day and he said to me, I am a spiritual father to you. What does that mean? That means when you get a panic attack or you start to freak out or you start to get scared, you take up your phone and you call me. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't care if it's 5 o'clock. Linda, uh, my wife, has said the same thing. You call us. And you know, that changed my life. These people took me in. They were just a couple serving in church. They weren't the pastors. They weren't the leaders of a hundred things. They were just 
oversight of the new Christians team, and they took me under their wing, and they started to disciple me. And then I met a friend when I went uh, in faith. I stepped out. They were planting a new church in Somerset West, and I drove every single Sunday for five services from Century City to Somerset West. Basically, would be smashed on Mondays in the office, but I was so passionate about church. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I really would love a sister. I would love a friend who can teach me what it also means to step out in faith and trust you. And I met my best friend there, and we became prayer partners. And she also, what I didn't know, she also prayed for her sister because she left England to pursue her calling, and she was living alone in Somerset West. And she prayed for her sister. I prayed for her sister. And to this day, we talk, we pray together, we are prayer partners. But over the years, she was much more spiritually mature than I was. And over the years, she taught me things. She loved me when I would be go back in my old thinking patterns. And she would tell me, hey, I could you leave, but stop then thinking. And what am, I, what am I trying to explain? Church family means I also open myself up to the family of God to allow people to speak into my life. It's not just Johannes and I that will speak into your lives if you're a member of this church. It's everyone that we do life together. We pray for one another. We speak life into one another. If I see my friend going off the rails, old thinking that need to change, I must have the freedom to say, Jock, I love you, ma. Yeah, remind him what God says about him. Remind her what God says about her. Okay, that's what God calls us to. He doesn't call us to do life alone. And just showing up on a Sunday is not that. It's only one small element, a corporate gathering. But the family part is the big part that he's interested in. And you know what? It takes time for us to get to know one another. It takes time for us to gather together and to build friendships. It really takes time. But I want to encourage us, and I know this is Johannes' heart, that's where we want to grow this year. We want to see the Lord turn us into a family. And we already are family, but God wants us to make space for more. Amen? Some of you we only see on Sunday. We want to also hang out with you midweek. If you go through a hard day at the office, I remember in one of our home cells last year, one of the testimonies that came out was that two people needed desperate, desperate breakthrough in their businesses, like the aftermath of COVID. And as a home cell, they prayed. Johannes and I weren't even involved. We are not in the home cell. They prayed together, and they saw breakthrough. God opened up a way for his children because his children agreed. They loved one another. They supported one another, and they prayed together. I mean, that is God's heart for church family, and we see it in our home cells currently. Okay, we disciple and shepherd one another. We spur each other on towards Christ-like love and good deeds. I want to share three scriptures, and then we want to quickly do a few testimonies on a revelation that some people have received about church family. Last scripture, Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. You can read along on the screen, and it says, Let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Romans 12, 10, maybe second last scripture. I'm going to do all three. This is powerful. Romans 12, 10, it says, Be devoted to one another with authentic brotherly affection as members of one family and give preference to one another in honor. 
That means to tenderly love each other. Galatians 6 verse 10. So then, while we as individual believers have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. Especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith, born-again believers. So I don't know, you know, we don't have time to go into, in families, I had a younger brother, we would fight. Okay, that was always the reason why we in the church, we're not saying it's this bubble where we just love one another and we never disagree and we never have offense and we never have those things. That's another message for another day of even in church family, I learned I was never dealing with conflict. I, I hated having serious conversations with people, but in church, I learned. When I became a team leader, I learned. When I started serving, I learned. In church, I learned and I saw for the first time what does conflict and reconciliation really look like. What, how do I deal with someone in a Christ manner when someone does something to hurt me? How do I deal with conflict if someone doesn't agree with me or if I don't agree with their opinion and now someone needs to make a decision? All of those things is part and parcel. I mean, we're not saying it's not and it's a love bubble, but we are saying this is the place where God wants us to grow because everything that we learn in here, we're taking out into the world. And we are, as sons and daughters, we are his representation. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask uh, Jason and Laurentia to come and share a quick testimony of church family with us. Um, and then William will share something, and then Ina, and then I'm going to end with communion for us. Jullie kan my opkom. Ek gaan sommer vir hulle hierdie mic gee. And I could have asked, obviously, anyone here to share testimony this morning, but we thought we're just going to start with them. Ga jylle altwee praat? Kostaan so my hier in die middel vir die... Jy kan my praat. Good morning. Mora, Alma. My name is Jason. Yeah. Ek wil maar net sê, my testimony is vandag, wil ek maar net vir allemaal sê. Ek weet nie hoe ek dit moet sê nie, maar ek sal probeer, want ek is nie so goed vir mense wat miskien so Engels sal meer goed as ek praat of verstaan nie, maar meer in Afrikaans. Ek was van die begin af het ek het ek vir pastoor Johannes, ek het nie geweet, hy is een pastoor nie, want ek het daar gewerkt, daar in die jaar, daar by by Hamburgkot. En daar was iets in my elke dag, wanneer ek opgestaan het, wat geestelik vir my bijgepleid. En ek is Wel as ek in een christenhuis groot gemak en christelik het ek groot geraak, maar ek het by baie kerke ingegaan op soek om graag te ken wat liefde is. En rarig ek het nie geken dat pastoor Johannes een pastoor is nie, ons het altyd maar net mekaar gegroet en voorbij gegaan en 
Hij heeft één dag voor mij net besluit om te zeggen, hij nooit voor mij. En hij voor mij genoeg en gezegd, heb je een familie? En ik zei, nee, ik heb een familie. Van mij is. En toen hij gezegd, nee, ik nooit voor jou. En zal hij ook voor haar kan nooit om samen met jou tot bij die keer te komen. En zo. En, en uh, toen ik toen besluit, nee, het is recht, ik zal zo maken. En uh, ons het nou gezels, ik en zij, en ons het gepraat bij die huis, en ons het ingekomen, en het besluit, nee, ons zal een keer te komen. En uh, die eerste dag, je weet, als een mens bij een plek voor de eerste keer gekomen, is het maar altijd een beetje dus een dit lijkt maar voor jou zo, want jouw hele lichaam is vol uh, uh, kouwerelingse, die voelt anders. Maar in die tijd wat ik doe, meer en meer en hier die mensen betrokken geraakt het in living word, met die hele span als volunteerders en allemaal heb ik meer liefde geontvangen. En die liefde heeft me teruggewezen naar wat ik te danken is aan God. Want ik heb gezoekt naar een plek waar ik zal ingaan. En met die mensen in huis en in geloof. Amen. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, uh, my name is Laurentia. He invited me, as he said, uh, 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 Pastor Johannes invited him and he asked me to come with. The first day it was really like, I don't know, something just, my tears, I was standing next to him and my tears just during worship just started running and then I was like, what's happening? Okay, but then I met a family that is just, I don't know how to say, not like self-focused, they are more focused on helping others, and they are more, I don't know, the pastor, is not like a pastor, Mrs. B pastor Beresa, it's like a friend. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like um, paradise on earth. People that really cares about each other, and you see tears of joy, you see tears of pain, it's like a body that is, you know, the organ can't move without another organ. When the other organ is paining, the other organ can't continue. It's just like that. So I really, if I have to thank God, it will take the whole day. So, I, you know, it's like, I don't know how to explain it, but then you, it's, it's like a family where someone just feels like today this person is not fine. Like I remember one day when um, Ina just came and said, are you okay? please let's pray, and really I was not feeling fine. So that is the type of family living word is. So I'm really thankful to God that, I, that he has brought us this far. And it's not like about just coming and serving coffee and drinking, it's more than that. You know, it's like people that is this, um, un, how, how should I put it, unselfish love, that you know, they show you love, they accept you, they don't judge you for who you are. You can't even, you know, I don't know, I can't. So 
it's like they are answer, I can't separate from this living word family. I'm really, if I'm not here Sunday, meaning something terrible has maybe I've been to my or something. So, so we are, we can't separate now. Yeah, so I'm really thankful to God. Yeah. Thank you. Amen. I think one of them needs to bring the word one Sunday. Alla kan lekker praat. Thank you, William. Morning, family. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been a part of this family since last year when we were still in the barn, just before this um, birthday happened, when the church became two years old. So, for me, this is almost an anniversary of one year with the church as well. So, it's been awesome. Yeah, so I'm just going to share my experiences, how I've come through everything in this church since I've joined them. So I was invited to the church a year ago by a friend. And the first day in, Marissa started actually as a ceremony that Sunday, but it was a follow-up, I think, the two more Sundays after that. And after that first service, I, I walked up to my friend. I was like, am I invited next Sunday as, as well? Because I want to I wanna come finish this. I want to hear Marissa finish a, a ceremony. And then from there on, I, I was two weeks in. I joined the liberating course. Um, everybody will see it on the info desk and everywhere it's been advertised. And for me, the, the time I was going through in my life, I was going through a divorce. I was, yeah, in a bad space in my life at that time. So I went into liberating, did the liberating course. And in liberating, never mind for all the struggles I was going through and all of that, but the family that I met there. The people that I met there, I was brand new to this church. I didn't know anybody there. Nobody in those teams, nothing. And even till today now, if I walk into the door, they come to me, they greet me, they ask me, okay, so how's this been? So you, they check in on you. If they haven't seen me for a few Sundays, they phone me. Hey, how are you? What's going on? Why, why have you been so quiet? If I'm ill, like this week, Yaku sends me a message. Hey, are you feeling better? Are you okay? And that is, that is family. You, you don't need to be brothers and sisters in blood, but you can have family in this. And like I say, they check in with you. They follow up with you. They challenge you to be better. Um, join a cell group. Join the morning sessions on a Thursday morning to come and intercede here because it's not about Marissa and about Johannes. It's about what the Lord wants to do here. So... This family has shown me that it's, if, even if we don't see him, like we were singing in the worship song, even if we don't see him working, we don't feel him working, but he's always working. So, and this family has shown that to me, that they check in on you. They, you feel accountable. You, and, and that's without anybody pressuring you into anything or saying anything to you. The way they live, the way they... Yaku is a father to his son. It's, an, it's a testimony to me. So I look at this and I'm like, yo, I, I can be a better father because just look at the example Yaku is setting here. So that just shows you that people around you, the Lord lives through them. And that is how you see him work. That's how you hear him and feel him. So don't always think, yeah, I'm not hearing him. I'm not seeing him. Get involved. Get involved with your, your, your family in spirit because they show you exactly how we are blessed every single day. They show you 
how blessed they are. And then you see the wonders. You see how people get miracles still happening every single day. So if, you, if, you don't, if you're not experiencing miracles, get involved with your family in Christ. So he will show you through them how he involves their businesses, how he involves their family. I've seen the, this family sit in a hospital lounge, pray and cry for other family members in the hospital. So guys, if that's not a family, then I don't know what is. And yeah, if you get into liberating, you can sit here and think you've got nothing. That's, you've, you grew up in a perfect family. You've had a father and a mother in your house. You, you, you're not going through any business struggles. You're not uh, struggles at work. Believe me, there is struggles in everybody's lives. So if, you, if, if I can challenge anybody is to go do liberating. You will never know what you're missing until you've been there. It just makes you step into a different level of relationship with God. Um, you start touching on stuff in your heart that you never knew was there. So I, every, I challenge everybody to really go do that. Get involved on, on cell groups. Get to your cell groups. I didn't know anybody in my cell group before I got into that cell group. And now we're praying for one another's businesses. Now we're praying when we're ill. Now we sit in a hospital when one of our members are in that hospital. And that's a family, you guys. Amen. Let's give him a huge hand. Thank you, William. Go in now. Good morning, everybody. So, um, yeah, we started, uh, I think, also just a little bit before the second birthday of Living Word. And ever since, we just plummeted into everything we could, <laughs> never thinking that we would serve at the capacity that we served, um, never thinking that God will really um, use us like he's using us right now. And today I stand with a grateful heart, knowing that everything I do is because he, he is giving me the courage, um, myself and Rian, I'm speaking for the both of us. Um, we've also started the cell group at our house, and since we've done that, God has just opened blessing upon blessing upon blessing, and not just um, financial blessings, but spiritual blessings as well. We've been learning so much about him and who he is and yes the father heart of god and wow <laughs> once you understand that and i don't even think we can fully understand that ever but once you understand just the just a little bit of what he has for you then it's so easy and um the big thing for me um i had a whole thing in my mind and then jock came up this morning and he was talking about <laughs> the father heart of god and and what's profound to me is once you've found a place where you know that you are supposed to be, everything coincides with one another. Everything collides. And um, my family, um, Rian and the kids, went to the farm over the weekend. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to take the time and just really reconnect with the Lord and just embrace Him and have Him embrace me. And how beautiful that is, because I didn't know that the, the message was the Father heart of God. And the messages I listened to was about the Father heart of God. And through that, I just know that this is so who He is. 
he will confirm one thing upon another thing upon another thing when you are with your family, when you are at the place where you're supposed to be. Um, so that was the first thing, and it just dawned on me that this is, this is what it's about. And the next thing comes up, Marissa starts talking, and she was talking about giving and doing your thing. And in the week, we had a conversation about, um, you know, you don't have to feel like you need to do everything, and you don't, and it just, it just popped into my spirit again that when you're serving your family, then it's not an effort. When you are serving your family, it is because you are loving them, you are loving on them, and you are loving because God gave you His love. And then it's so effortless, and it's so effortless to serve when, when it comes from the heart of God. And um, I was reminded of a scripture this morning, um, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, that says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. And that is exactly what happens here. When we see each other on a Sunday, we have a cup of coffee, we catch up with each other. It's like William said, you check in with each other. When you feel like you have your burden with someone else, you pick up the phone, you pray for them. When you, you check in on your daily, how are you, this has happened, pray for me. And it's easy. It's easy to reach out to one another. It's easier. It gets easier the closer you become. And also... Um, William that, that easily speaks about, you know, noticing and seeing how he would like to raise. I need to just say that William is an exceptional father <laughs> because just the way he looks after us. When we were in the hospital pr praying for a family, he was the one getting food for us. Thank you, William. I was laughing to eat. And it's just those little things. It's the little things that don't bother you. It's the little things that that make you feel like, wow, this is a family. This makes me feel at home. And I think that's the big thing for me. Um, yeah, and just praying together and, and, yes, knowing that we love one another so much. So, yeah. Amen. Let's give Ina a hand. That was awesome. It's so great to just hear people's different perspectives, and I'm sure there's many of you that can share the same thing this morning of what God has done in your life since you've been part of a church family. And it's not just our church. We know it's every church where Jesus is king. That is his heart. And so I'm going to ask the team, we're going to end off with communion. I'm going to ask the host team to hand it out for us. And as they do that, we're going to listen to a song, and I'm just going to end with a prayer at the end of that. But I want to encourage us in this song, ask Holy Spirit, what is he speaking to your heart individually this morning? Maybe you've been a member for three years and you are involved in the church. And I'm talking to all of our volunteers. I'm talking to myself and Johannes as well. There is still something that Holy Spirit wants to speak to every one of us today. What is that one thing that he is speaking to you this morning? And we can just stay seated and then I will pray for us. The team can put on that song this morning. presence in this place this morning and as we take a moment to just think about what Jesus had done on the cross what Jesus had accomplished what the Father's great plan was for all of us to be reunited with Him 
I want to take just one moment and pray if there is anyone here this morning and maybe you grew up in a Christian home, but you don't ever remember a time where you actually made a decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly with everything. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. John 1, verse 11, 12, and 13 says that all of us received an opportunity to be called children of God when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. And so if there's anyone here, and I just want everyone's head bows and eyes closed in this moment, just focus on your relationship with Jesus this morning. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, I want you to just briefly raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. If you've never ever received Jesus into your life, made Him your Lord and Savior, just quickly raise your hand so I can see. Today is your opportunity. Today is your opportunity to say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to You. I cannot do this on my own anymore. I need to be reconciled with my Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we just all pray a prayer together? We're not going to call out anyone who's put their hand up. And Why don't you just repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for this opportunity to give my life to you. I want to be restored to my Father. And I thank you by accepting you today. I accept that you paid for my debt on the cross. Your blood washes me clean. And I am forgiven. Today I enter the kingdom of light. And I am called the child of God. Thank you, Lord. And why don't you receive the bread this morning? And Lord Jesus, we just thank you this morning for your body that was broken for us. We thank you, Lord, that we did not have to pay this penalty. We did not have to find our own way back to the Father. You said, this is my body and I give it for you. I lay it down on behalf of you. And thank you, Father, that as believers, as sons and daughters, we can receive your body this morning that we receive your healing in our body, in our spirit, in our soul, in our thoughts and in our hearts. Let's receive it together. sonship and our daughtership can be restored so that our sins can be washed away and our guilt can be removed and this morning we just receive the power of your forgiveness the power of your mercy that made us brand new people and we pray that as we receive it this morning Lord that you would help us as we receive it that we will be able to give to others as we have received from you. Let's receive it together. Thank you, Lord. 
last thing I want to pray that I really felt strongly in my heart as we were preparing is that if there is anyone here this morning and you can keep your eyes closed in this moment because I want people to be really, really honest because only in honesty will there be freedom. If you have ever been hurt by the church, by people in the church, or you've had a bad experience in church, in church family, And you know that that is keeping you from actually taking a next step of becoming family, of getting involved. I'm not talking about attending a service. I'm talking about sharing life with people in the church. If that is something that's really, really hard and you struggle to trust people because you've been hurt. I want to pray for you this morning and I want you to raise your hand if that is you this morning. No one's looking around. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being honest this morning. That is a huge thing because Jesus sees this morning. And I want to lead you in a prayer this morning that's going to be really, really powerful. Because God's heart is for you to not be alone. And so I want you to pray after me, Lord Jesus. We can all pray together. Lord Jesus, this morning I come. I bring every hurt before you. Everything that has happened to me in church. ask you this morning to heal my heart. I forgive every person that has hurt me, whether they were intentional or not intentional. I ask that you would bless them, that you would also heal them. And I ask you to help me, Holy Spirit, to trust people again to show me where it is safe to receive love from your body help me in this give me spiritual mothers and fathers give me spiritual brothers and sisters and help me to resist the temptation of running from it because your heart is family and I want to please you in Jesus name Father I thank you just for your church this morning I thank you for every son and daughter in this room I thank you for our specific church this morning thank you for the testimony shared thank you for the reminder that you are our heavenly father Lord that you love us and nothing we can ever do can change that fact Lord, that you want to grow us and multiply us because you have got a plan for this nation and you want the Father heart of love and acceptance to be taken across this nation to every single corner, every single city, and every single household in Jesus' name. So we pray as a church, as a family, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would unite us. Continue to take us forward. Continue to help us to be your hands and feet. And I want to pray a blessing over your church today. I want to pray a blessing over every business, every family, every household, every parent. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.